Welcome back, everybody. This is Corey, and today we're going to do something that's exactly the same and totally different. It is Chad and myself, just like always, but today we're going to switch the roles, and I'm going to try to be the moderator, and Chad is going to be our expert, and we're going to talk about some really great questions that were asked along the lines of depression, and the question that we're going to focus on and read out loud was, how can you feel whole when you feel like you have lost everything, when it feels like you can't make a connection with God anymore? And so we get a lot of questions that are depression-related and, and those type things, and how can I make my way back to God? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So Chad, let's start with this. What's the short answer to this question? Um, I think, uh, I think really the short answer, which is not sufficient, especially in a subject like this, but I think the short answer is, is to find your identity in Christ, right? Um, and that is a simple answer, but it's not necessarily easy sometimes because sometimes that feels like a mountain that you have to climb, but it is possible and it is important. And that's particularly hard because that means we can't understand ourselves until we understand God and who he is. Exactly, exactly. You know, we all have been affected by the world around us. You know, the world is affected by sin, and um, and it's not a direct response to any sin that we've committed particularly, um, but there are all kinds of things in this world that are a response to the existence of sin. You know, tornadoes, hurricanes, natural disasters, earthquakes, depression, anxiety, ADD. Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, and the Philadelphia Phillies. I just realized that we both hate a team from Philadelphia. I hate the Phillies. Anyway. They don't have friendly <laughs> fans. I hate that they're winning games now and stuff. I hate when Philly won the Super Bowl because I used to say that their only real sports hero was Rocky, a fictional character. <laughs> and then they got a real Super Bowl ring. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Fallen world. <laughs> it's We live in a fallen world, right? And we all carry the effects of living in a fallen world, right? And so... Part of that is it's impossible for us to understand ourselves without the grace of God. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because depression really is about feeling alone mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. But we really aren't alone, are we, Chad? That is absolutely right. You know, we look in the scriptures and we can see that God is omnipresent. He is always there even when he feels distant. That is something that can be a source of strength for us. Um, there is not any moment in our life that we've been any further from God. You know, a lot of times we, we use words that give away some of the misunderstandings we have about God. You know, we'll have conversations and we'll just be like, man, I feel like I've wandered away from God or I feel like I'm distant from God and I feel like I'm, I'm running from the Lord. And all of those phrases are helpful and useful. And they're all in Baptist hymns. Yes, they are, right? That's absolutely true. But at the same time, I think we have to remind ourselves, no matter how much we wander away, there's no further that we can ever get away from the Lord. I, this makes me think of a ridiculous story. My, my brother, Cole, and I, I've, I've talked about him on the podcast before, and we're always kind of picking at each other and stuff. I talked about it in our Love Languages episode, how we're always picking at each other and thumping on each other and stuff. And I was actually at, at my dad's house last weekend. 
and spending time with him. And he just kept messing with me, kept messing with me. And, and I told him, I said, I'm quick. And he said, you can't catch me though. You're slow. And I was like, well, you can try me. And he, he kept messing with me and I chased him down and I chased him across the yard and I didn't have any shoes on. And we got, we got about 50 yards away from where we started and he turned around and I was still right behind him and he, and it freaked him out because he thought that he had left me far behind. Right. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, it's a silly example, but I think a lot of times we think we can do the same thing to God. One of the ways you know you've used a great Baptist preacher example is if you end up being Jesus in the story. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's... Uh, oh, but I, that I get what you're saying. And, yeah. and, and I mean, Jesus, the name he picked for himself is Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. God's with and, us. And God has a lot of names. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. The fact that he picked, I'm with you. Yeah. And, and he finds his identity in just like we find our identity in Christ, he literally gives his identity, his name, by being with us Mm -hmm. and being together. And I don't know what further reassurance we could have that we are not alone. Yes, yes. And I mean, um, it is absolutely true that there is no no height nor depth, um, no distance that can separate us from the love of Christ. In the same way that when he saves us from our sin, he, he separates us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. If you could somehow figure out the opposite of that and and apply it to your relationship with him, he also binds himself so closely to you that you can't get away from him even if you tried. And we talked about that a few weeks ago when we talked about what about when we're so distant from God, how do we come back to God? And the fact yeah. that he's right there. Peter looked at the wind and the waves, and he lost his faith, and he sank, and he cried out, Lord, and Jesus caught him right there instantly. He's right there present, and that is an awesome thing. Yes. But you know what? Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, and it's not uncommon. If you're struggling with depression today, if you're struggling with loneliness and separation, and you just feel isolated. It's not uncommon. A lot of people have these troubles, Mm -hmm. don't they, Chad? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've gone through seasons in my life where I've struggled with depression and, um, there have been seasons that I've, uh, really had to, uh, um, I've really had to remind myself of some of the truth that, that, that we're talking about. And honestly, I've had to be surrounded by friends who reminded me of this, you know, and, um, no matter how close, Jesus always is, no matter how much access we have to him, it's still absolutely true that we live in a fallen world, just like we mentioned right out of the gates on this episode, right? We live in a fallen world, and sometimes the world can feel heavy on us, you know? And and depression feels different for everybody, but for me, personally, it feels like I'm just walking through like mud, you know, just knee deep mud. It's just hard to, it's hard to move. It's hard to think. It's like a thick fog, right? And, um, it can feel different for everybody, but that for me, that when the world is getting to me and I'm, and I'm feel distant from God, even though he's right there, that is how it feels. Well, right. And I, I think that's a pretty common description. Of yeah. It. And, and, you know, I went through, I've had a couple or, or two or three mm-hmm. bouts of pretty bad melancholy in my life. And one of them, I like to use this one cause it's a silly example but when I was in college at OU and I got cut from the football team and I hadn't really failed at anything and I thought that I was a pretty good athlete and I'd worked really hard. And when I just wasn't allowed in the door anymore at the Switzer Center, it just killed me. Yeah. And I just went to bed. I didn't go to class and I didn't shower. I didn't anything 
for like a long time, like yeah. like days and days. And my roommate, I'll never forget Robbie Madison. One day he came in the room, he turned the lights on, he ripped the covers off the bed and said, dude, you stink. Yeah. Get a shower, get up, go to class. I'm sick of this. And I needed him to just rip those covers off and get me out of bed because I was just stuck in neutral. Yeah. And he was the friend that saved me. And that's, I know that really playing football is a trivial thing, but mm-hmm. when you're 20 years old, you don't know it's a trivial thing. Yeah, right. And, and the feeling is the same, right? And I think, I think that that is an important point that I didn't even think, to put in, uh, think about putting in the notes. The way that you feel right now as you're listening to this, if, if depression is something you struggle with, if, if maybe you're the person who, who wrote this question in, the way you feel is what we're talking about here. Personally, I think that the thing that is making you feel that way is a lot less relevant to this conversation than you might think it is. And that's not to minimize what you've gone through or the struggle you've had. The, but, but the thing is, even if it feels small and trivial to you and it feels dumb or anything like that, that... I think is Satan telling lies to you. That is your depression speaking into your situation because no matter how trivial we think it is, that, that, that place that you're at is what's important to me at least. Absolutely. I agree. Mm -hmm. And and where you are is where you are. Yeah. And what's important to us is what's important to us. Yeah. Um, I completely agree, you know, and I think, you know, you, you talk about, you talked to, told the story about your friend earlier. We're going to talk about some, some action points and some closing thoughts at the end. But uh, I think that he exemplified one of the most important things for me in helping someone who's struggling with things like that. You know, you were that friend to me at one point. I was going through something really tough and um, I was I was shocked by some news that I had gotten and I called you and I didn't even call you to say, hey, man, um, I'm, I'm struggling. And we, we weren't even that close of friends at that point. You know, I just said, hey, I was supposed to teach Sunday school for you. And I just said, hey, man, if, if you need me to teach, I can teach. But I'm kind of in a place right now where I don't think I could do a good job. And you said, OK, it's no big deal. You know, and then the, that was on a Saturday or Sunday. And the Monday after that, you called me and said, hey. We're going to lunch either today or tomorrow. You pick, right? And and you set me down at lunch and essentially said, I'm here. You're not alone, right? And and I think that that is important. If this is something that you don't really feel like you identify with or even if it's something that you do identify with, that community is so important, that reminder of the fact that you're not alone. It is. And going back to the previous podcast we've had, and if, you've, if you're listening today, you've probably been listening to the other nine episodes or whatever, but... Like we talked about then, community, community, community. If you don't have a friend, take steps to make one. Yeah. Reach out. If you don't know where to start, call Chad, call me, call Michael, call Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let us help you connect because we're your church family and we love you and we want to connect. Because we need those people in our life that'll say, let's eat some ribs and get this figured out. Yes, Or let's just eat some ribs. Yes. Uh, one thing that's really hard to learn in ministry is you don't have to know the answers. You just have to sit there. Mm-hmm. And some of the most important visits that I've been a part of have been silent visits mm-hmm. where you just be. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, one of my, one of my personal heroes in Baptist life is Al Mohler. He, uh, preached a sermon, um, back in, uh, I think the early nineties. I think, I don't think it was late eighties still. I think it was in the early nineties and there was a lot of turmoil within the, the denomination. A lot of people were arguing about stuff and he preached a sermon called don't just do something, stand there. You know, and really, um, that applied to some different stuff, but the principle still remains. Sometimes we just need somebody to stand in the gap, right? We need somebody to stand there and be there, um, and uh, and that's important, you know. And I think we can see examples of this in Scripture. Uh, there used to be an old lawyer that's kind of famous around Chickasha, and I never met him, but I hear stories all the time. And his famous line is, he would tell defendants, particularly like juvenile delinquents and that type of stuff, mm-hmm. man. 90% of life is just being where you're supposed to be. Just show, you don't have to be good at school, just sit there. Yeah. He would say that. You don't You don't have to be smart, just sit there and they'll pass you. Mm-hmm. And that that's probably something that some teachers won't endorse, but it's true. If you show up and go to class, you're going to be okay. If you show up and go to work, you're going to be okay most of the time. In the same way, if you just show up and be a friend and just sit there, yeah, that's all it takes. Yeah, yeah, you can look, I mean, for a great example of this, look at the book of Job. Right, Job was going through some hard stuff, and the and the friends that came and had a lot to say were the friends that were doing something wrong, right? And um, the friends that just sat there when they were sitting there, that was the best thing they were doing, right? Yeah, absolutely. In that particular situation, at and least. and you threw out Job, which is a pretty famous guy, but there's been a lot of really successful people that have had these issues, right, Chad? Yeah, both in scripture and out of scripture. You know, Paul, who wrote thirteen books in the New Testament. He wrote the majority of the texts of the New Testament. He he struggled with suicidal thoughts. He had this um, he had moments where he's like, man, it would be it would be better to be uh, it would be better to be to be dead because I'd be with Christ. But he has called me to be here. So I'm going to be present with you. And he kind of had that kind of had that struggle. Right. And and really, the one of the, he did something that I think you and I both talked about that I think is really important. If you find yourself in the depths of depression, one of the best kickstarters, if you can bring yourself to do that to to get out of that, is to focus on other people. You know, there have been seasons in my life where I've been depressed, and and I've I've thankfully been pushed towards. Hey, you know, I mean, my involvement with the Haven in large part was a opportunity for me to get the focus off of myself and onto a group of people I cared about so that I could be reminded of the purpose of why I'm here in the first place. Yeah, and that's exactly what that text says in Philippians. You know, when we say to live is Christ, to die is gain, that's one of those things that like ends up in songs, mm-hmm. but we don't really think about it. What he's saying here is to live is to be crucified like Jesus. It's to suffer like Christ suffered like Christ loved the church, like Christ lived for us, it's really bad. And to die is really good. He says, I don't want to be here. And he's in prison, and he's been stoned, and he's been beaten, and he's been rejected, and he's maybe going blind. And there's mm-hmm. lots of reasons to be depressed. Yeah. But then he goes on, and he says, the reason I endure is for you, my little children. And he talks to them about how much he loves them and what he wants for them, and he invests in them. Uh, my dad... Uh, I hope he won't mind me telling the story. My parents have uh, unfortunately lost two children, had, mm-hmm. had two children die. And as Cade's gotten older and I've been a dad, I just often will just wonder how my parents 
gave me the childhood that they gave me when they had the pain that they 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 had. Yeah. And I just they're my heroes. And one day I asked my dad. I said, Dad, how did you make your heart keep beating when Kristen died? Mm-hmm. How, how did you do that? And he said, You just look at the other kids and you live for them, and you just keep living for them. And one of these days, you've got a life yourself that's wrapped up in them. And he's a wise guy, but that's one of the wisest things he's ever said to me. Um, it really impacted my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. It, and it, it particularly hit me as I sat. He was giving me a haircut. He's a barber. I was sitting in the barber chair when he told it, and it just hit me. That's what Paul was talking about in Philippians because I had just read that text, and um, it really helped me understand Paul. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that, I mean— uh, and, and he's not the only one. You know, there are people, another biblical example is David. Um, David is one of my favorite characters in all of Scripture. Um, David had had the highest highs in, in, in his leadership, and, and he was a soldier. He was a, he was a man of great renown, but he also had some of the lowest lows. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 63, um, and it's, uh, it starts out, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, so if I quote it wrong, please just write Corey instead of me. But um, Psalm 63 starts out, and it says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul um, thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And, and, and he just, you could tell he's just, it's almost physical how much, how distant he feels from the God, from God. And he goes on to say, I've looked upon you in the sanctuary and I've beheld your power and glory. Your steadfast love is better than life, but he's still thirst for God, right? He still feels distant. And, and if you look at that, you've got David is God's anointed. He has been selected and chosen out. He has been used for miracles he is a stud in every way. Yeah. We know he's good looking. We know he's athletic. We know he's a warrior beyond compare. We know he's a rock star. We know he's the king of all Israel. Mm-hmm. It's pretty hard for a guy who's not a rock star, the king of Israel, a war hero, and a poet to get how he could feel depressed after he's yeah. been singled out by God as his chosen person. Yeah. But he had real struggles, real sins, real trials, real things, some of which people knew about and some which people didn't. And he felt that way. So if you feel that way, I just have to say, you're not a loser. You're not crazy. You're just human. Yes. And we all feel that way. Spurgeon, one of my favorite quotes ever. Spurgeon to me is the ultimate, like, calendar quote preacher yeah this is charles spurgeon he was a preacher in london he was a baptist preacher in london i think in the 1500s and uh, one of the most famous preachers of all time sorry go ahead yeah uh during the plagues yes yeah and just incredible incredible dude and and like i say he is the ultimate quotable inspirational football coach of a preacher there's ever been Mm mm-hmm and he had entire months that he would struggle with depression so bad that he couldn't function, he couldn't walk, he couldn't talk, he couldn't anything. Yeah. And uh, God still used him, but every single time he got back up. Yeah. Every single time he, he fought his way through it, and he went on to fight for the kingdom and, and for souls. 
Yeah. John Newton is another guy. You talk about another guy who's not in scripture, but is very important. John Newton was a, was a hymnist. He wrote really famous hymns like Amazing Grace. Um, he also uh, wrote There's a Fountain Filled with Blood. He wrote, he wrote a bunch of just a bunch of music that have resonated with, with believers for centuries now. Right. And he dealt with bouts of depression. There were, there were people who, uh, you know, one time his landlord called him useless because he didn't even get up and get out of his house for, you know, would, would be days and days at a time. And he wouldn't even make himself known. He would just stay in his house because he, he was depressed and he was struggling with that. Right. But he leaned into who he was in Christ and surrounded himself with people that, that would, would be there to stand in the gap for him. And, and the Lord used those struggles to give the people of God encouraging words to sing for, I'm convinced, all of eternity. I think that, I think that we'll be singing Amazing Grace forever. Absolutely. Yeah. Which the song says we will. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. And, and we could go on and on. Elijah yeah. begged God just kill me. I'm all alone. And God says, no, you're not. You've got some friends. They're the remnant, which gets back to what we keep talking about other people connecting with other people. And they're there even if you think they're not. That's absolutely true. You can go, you can find example after example after example. And really, um, we list all of these examples, not to just, you know, show off our biblical knowledge or show off the fact that we know about people in history. We want you to know you are not alone. You're not alone, you know, and that's, I know for me, when I've, when I've gone through bouts of melancholy in my life, the first thing that I convince myself, um, the first lie that I tell myself is that I'm all by myself and, and, and it's not true. You are not the only person to feel this way. If this is something you deal with, you're not the only person to ever go through this and you are surrounded by people who aren't going to think any less of you. If you share these feelings of melancholy with them, they'll be there for you. Absolutely. And so not only are you not alone with all these people, but you're not alone anyway. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Not only is Jesus there, but he cares. Yes. He actually listens, doesn't he, Chad? Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, Psalm 34, the Psalms are one of my favorite books. I think you'll, um, I think you'll see this in what I quote today and in the future uh, podcast. I, I, I quote the Psalms a lot. I love the Psalms. Psalm 34 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Psalm 94 says, in the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. You know, I mean, the, there is point after point after point in scripture where God says, I am here. I am here. I am close to you. I am the I am the closest to you when you're when you're brokenhearted. In the midst of my anxieties, your comforts delight my soul, right? That even if you don't feel like everything is resolved, the Lord is there to comfort you, even in the middle of everything, not just at the end of it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So Chad, what are some biblical truths that we can take away from this discussion today? I think the, the two things that, that I listed off just now are really important and worth saying again. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, Psalm 34. Um, in the midst of our anxieties, his comforts delight his people, you know, Psalm 94, 19. 
Um, Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time for everything. You mentioned Spurgeon earlier. Spurgeon said, um, had this quote that I just love. What he said was, Our sorrows are all like ourselves mortal. They come, but blessed be God, they also go. We suffer today, but we shall rejoice tomorrow. Your, your sorrow is just as mortal as you are. You know, a lot of times when we, when we get into, into these states of melancholy, um, we, we tend to get this, this fatalistic idea of our impermanence, right? We, we think about our life and, the, and, and we, we feel, at least for me, I feel like, man, there's nothing that I can do to make, make an impact in this world. My life is insignificant, right? Depression is the same. Your depression will be, will be here today and gone the next. It is a mortal thing. And the thing is, the Lord is there for you. The Lord is not there for your depression. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so now we've talked a lot about depression as feeling isolated and mm-hmm. as being circumstantial. Yeah. There, there are chemical issues that can lead to depression. And yeah. there are certain types of depression. Uh, the classic example is like postpartum depression mm-hmm. after, after someone gives birth, something like that, yeah. that are scientifically, chemically documented. And that's a real thing we have to work through in the chat. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's important to say that. You know, feelings of depression aren't because of a lack of faith or because of a distance from God in every single circumstance. You know, um, sometimes, uh, you know, there there's a chemical issue that, that, that it has to do with the way your brain works, and that's not your fault. And there's no shame in taking advantage of what um, theologians call common grace, right? Common grace are the things that God gives all of us because he loves us. And common grace includes things like medicine and things like sirloin steaks, right? Like common grace is the good things that God gives everyone no matter what, right? And God has blessed doctors with with the skills needed to, to isolate some of the things that um, can cause uh, cause depression, and, and they, they can counteract that with medication. There's no shame in that. In fact, there, there's some scripture that is more on point than you would think yeah. uh, in this issue. Uh, certainly, Paul told Timothy, a little wine is good for your stomach. And wine is probably not the best antidepressant. Yeah. It probably has more value for maybe a stomach infection, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But we also know from a passage in Proverbs 31, uh, I think starting about verse 3 and going on to verse 7, Proverbs 31 says some amazing stuff, and I want to read it today. And this is going to sound really, really not Southern Baptist, but if you'll mm-hmm. stick with us, We'll, we'll get there, but we're going to look at the Scripture because it's truthful, mm-hmm. right? It says, It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire beer. Otherwise, they will drink, forget what is decreed, and pervert justice for all the oppressed. That part sounds like traditional, you hear that at church. Yeah. You're in a, form, you're in a position of leadership. You need to be able to make good decisions. Don't drink. Mm-hmm. Listen to the second part. Give beer to one who is dying, and wine to one whose life is bitter. Let him drink so that he can forget his poverty and not remember his troubles. Mm -hmm. That is crazy. That is literally saying these people who are troubled, who are dying, who are oppressed, who are living in poverty that have troubles, give them this alcohol so they can forget it. 
Now, there are lots and lots and lots and lots of restrictions on alcohol in the Bible. We are commanded not to be drunk. Mm -hmm. We are warned not to sin when we drink. The Bible is very, very strict about drinking. But also, it's very clear from Scripture that alcohol is something that is restricted and not forbidden. It's forbidden to leaders like we just looked in that text. And I, for example, don't believe with my job as a judge, I should drink at all because someone could come need a warrant. Mm -hmm. I have to make a yeah. life or death decision right then. Yeah. But they literally said there's a circumstance for this. Wine is for the poor in spirit. And today we have, I would say wine is probably the closest thing to an antidepressant that was allowed, was yeah. in existence in 1500 B.C. But today there's all kinds of medication, all kinds of cir circumstances and side effects. And just like we have to be incredibly strict with how alcohol is used, but we have to understand there is a value to it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think there's anything wrong with someone struggling with nightmares having a, a little bit of whiskey before they go to bed at night. Yeah. I, I don't. Um, or, or something along those lines. It's clear, the, Bible, the Bible's clear, it shouldn't be a dependence and it shouldn't lead to intoxication. Um, and it shouldn't be a stumbling block to others. But we have this concept of people are struggling, let's try to help them. And I love the fact, as I was talking to a friend about this passage today, she said, it says give, mm -hmm. like you're prescribing it like a medicine, not go to the cabinet and, and get it yourself. Yeah. And Because it's a slippery slope. Mm -hmm. Go buy a, a bottle of whiskey. It's easy to drink a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. And so you have to be careful. But there's a concept of these people that had a mental illness struggle and a medication that was prescribed to treat it. Yeah. And I, and I think that... Um, one thing that I notice, you know, when you say, you know, they say give, right? Um, that implies community. That implies communication, right? And and there, there's a it certain doesn't imply sitting in your closet by yourself with the lights off. Exactly, right? Mm -hmm. And and there there's a certain stigma around uh, mental illness and and things like that 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 tends to put us in a mode where we feel like we have to be isolated, you know. And you know, in in my life. Um, I, uh, and you know, this, this applies to me in some ways. I have ADHD. I take Adderall every day, um, uh, to, to help me to, um, think well and to control my attention and things like that. And one thing that I've, I've noticed kind of in my life as I've, as I've, um, kind of lived with that and stuff like that. It is better for me when I communicate that, right? If you're ever around me, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about having ADD. Sometimes I'll joke about it. Sometimes I won't. Sometimes I'll be serious about it. But, but it's a part of um, who I am and, and just a part of the way that I was wired and, and, and stuff like that, right? You know, d depression and, and, and the need to take antidepressants is, is no more or less shameful than taking ADHD medication or taking some ibuprofen because, you know, your muscles are older than they used to be, right? There, there, there is, um, there's a tendency towards self-isolation when it comes to struggling with things like depression that I just, I just want to point out and encourage you, listen, no one's going to think less of you. And if they think less of you because you, you need an antidepressant to help you get through that fog, 
if if somebody has a problem with that, send them to me and I'll have a talk with them. And, and, and let's just get this out in the open right now. Yeah. It is not a sin to be depressed. No. It is not a sin to be depressed. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely true. Um, but we have to be careful not to stay there. Absolutely. It is a sin to give up. Yeah. It's a sin to not fight our depression, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which can seem like a tall order at times. Absolutely. So let's let's give down. Let's have some homework. Let's talk mm-hmm. about some action steps, Chad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, th- these are some action steps that I wrote down. You know, Corey um, asked me to 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 switch roles with him on this uh, podcast, namely just because I've communicated with him about some struggles that I've had and things like that. It's not because I'm an expert particularly in this field, you know, but I, I wrote down some action steps and these are things that I, that the Lord taught me through seasons like this in my life. So this isn't an exhaustive list, but this is the list that I go to when I begin to feel down from time to time. Um, the first thing it, I put down was preach the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself of who you are in Christ. That's awesome. If you're a believer, you are in Christ. You've been made in the image of God. You've been purchased by the blood of Christ. The most important person who's ever walked this earth died so that you might have life. And Jesus knows all the bad stuff, and he still loves you. Yeah, absolutely. He also knows all the good stuff, by the way. Yes, he knows everything. He knows the fog you're walking through, and he he identifies with that right? And he died for you so that you may have life. Absolutely. Um, the second thing I would say, we mentioned this earlier, serve others, you know? Um, so often, uh, you know, when, when we get into positions where we feel like there's nothing more than we could do, right? We, we get into a position where, you know, all we want to do is lay in bed all day. You know, one of the the best things for us to do is to focus on someone else. Right? Absolutely. Just like Paul did. Yeah. I, <laughs> I've been reading a bunch of, you know, I'm always reading my nerd books. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm reading a book series about Vikings. And they talk about the shield wall all the time. You hold the shield to protect your brother. And your brother holds the shield to protect you. You don't hold the shield over your own heart. Mm-hmm. And how beautiful an image that is if a, you know a viking invading horde can be beautiful yeah but it it is when the vikings in the book talk about it yeah and and we as christians we've got to hold the shield wall fully for each other mm-hmm. uh in real battle every day with real life troubles you hold the shield for me i hold the shield for you and we we look out for each other yeah and, and practically you know what i've found in my life at least is when we this when when we allow our life to to manifest that that principle that Jesus that 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 biblical principle of the last being first and the first being last right um, when we put others in front of ourselves it tends to take our focus off of our troubles in such a way that it helps us pull from pull ourselves from kind of the muck and the mire of just being stuck where we are. It's a, it's an amazing reality and I can't explain it objectively, but it's true. I've seen it in my own life. Right? Awesome. Um, the third thing I, I would say is lean into community, lean into community as much as we can talk about preaching the gospel to ourselves, as much as we can talk about serving other people, we cannot get through this alone. Right. Two are better than one. Two are better than one, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken, right? You need community. 
And wherever you are, we're all spread out. There's kind of the US, Haven USAO student diaspora, the spreading of students during this COVID pandemic, or you might not even be connected with our ministry, um, or you might be right here in Chickasha. Lean into the community around you because there are times you need that friend to say, we're going to lunch today or tomorrow you pick. Which is exactly the next thing. Accountability is key, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It, that, that idea that we need people that will lean back into us yes, and who will say, dude, you stink. Take a shower. Yeah. Uh, like Robbie did for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, and, and that requires letting people into your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have, uh, I have people in my life. You're one of those. There, there are, there are a few people in my life that, um, by the grace of God, I have let in enough where they can see some of those early signs of, depression or anxiety in me before I even see them and can mitigate some of that for me because they're my friends and they love me. Which is exactly the next thing we need to talk about because all this stuff works both ways. Yes. We need to be that kind of friend that keeps people accountable, that Mm -hmm. holds people's feet to the fire, that says, get up, let's spend some time together. Uh, We're going to do something today. We're going to be positive. We're going to move forward. Yes. And we all those things come together. Be the kind of friend that's community. Mm-hmm. Also, be accountable. All these things work both ways. Yeah, and and we are we're quickly kind of closing this this uh, podcast. I want to be where we need to be on time, but I have to tell a story with this point. Be a friend to someone who needs it. I um, when I was preparing for this, I pulled out my journal, and I have a journal entry from Saturday, July twenty seventh, twenty nineteen, um, and I wrote in my journal. This, I said, a good friend of mine who's a bit older than me recently said, it seems like you've lived enough life to see that feelings of melancholy aren't permanent, even if they seem deep and inescapable at times. That's a good thing, right? And this friend, this friend just came in with an encouraging word in the middle of a really, really hard day, you know, and we were talking about me feeling down and things like that. And I, and I communicated something about, you know what? I'm surrounded by people. I have hope even when it doesn't feel like it, you know? And, and he said that to me and he probably has no idea how much strength that gave me to move on. And we are called to be that kind of friend to others, right? Um, most of the people I know who struggle with depression don't struggle with it every minute of every day. You know, you may be in the depths of that and feel like, you, you'll never get out of it again. And but. you may feel like you have been depressed every minute of every day. Yeah. Because it depression blinds you. Yes, exactly. But for those of us who aren't in the midst of that, whether you, this is something you struggle with or something you don't, being that friend is so very important. And not to get too dark, but being that friend to somebody just might save somebody's life. Absolutely. You know, um, during the, during the worst of, of my depression, um, I had, um, you know, there were, there were extenuating circumstances and things, but long story short, I had several friends. I had several circles of friends. I had one or two close friends that knew everything. I had five or six kind of, uh, friends who were a little bit further out and I had several friends who were even, um, kind of less close to me than, than, than those inner two circles. And there was a time in the midst of the worst period of depression that I've ever had that no joke, I got a text or a phone call every single day from somebody who was just saying something like, I love you. 
or how you doing, or do you want to have dinner, or, you know, you're a good dude, or whatever. And in the midst of all that, you know, without those, without out those interactions, I would have been much worse off. Those interactions might have saved my life at one point. Awesome. Yeah. Let's pray, Chad. Absolutely. And dear God, I just, uh, I thank you that you are ever present and you're always there. Lord, if there's someone here listening to this right now that is struggling with depression, that feels hopeless, Lord, I pray that you would give them an immediate sense of your presence. Please, God, just power through the feelings of hopelessness that they might have right now. Lord, I pray that you would help everyone listening to this be a good friend to the others and that we would show how good you are and how much you love us by the way we face the struggles in our in in our lives i pray all this in your name amen amen hey chad i love you man hey you people listen we love you too we'll see you in a couple weeks bye can't wait